Welcome in to another episode of A Cali Green Monster Show. I am your host, Dean Ryan, coming to you here from the Tesla Studios in a not-so-sunny but still beautiful San Diego, California. It is Tuesday, April 13th, 2021, bringing you episode number 69. Oh, yeah, 69. I remember my senior year of high school, after the football games, there was an In-N-Out burger. You know, if you grow up in California or on the West Coast, you know about In-N-Out. And if you don't, that's tough luck on you. I imagine you've never been to the West Coast if you never heard about In-N-Out. But anyway, after the football games, a lot of us would go and, you know, eat some double-doubles and just kind of, you know, talk some shit and basically try to work off the buzz from, you know, whatever we pre pre-game the football games, you know, senior year was definitely all about getting boozed up and cheering our our buddy Danny on the sidelines. He was someone that wasn't considered on the starter, you know, one of the starters, but we would make signs for him and t-shirts and we would constantly cheer to put Danny Roddy in the game and they would eventually put him in in the fourth quarter every game. It would be so stoked. And I mean, sure, we were fueled by liquor and booze, but you know, I remember one of the times after the game, we go to In-N-Out, I get my number, my receipt, and my number was number 69, and, you know, definitely got a good buzz going on, so when they call number 69, I just, like, slap that receipt on the counter and be like, 69, my favorite number, and, like, obviously, that did not get a laugh from the person that was working there who was just probably annoyed with dealing with, you know, high school kids who think they were funny but just being completely obnoxious. So, yes, I was that douchebag kid once upon a time. And now I'm just that douchebag man who records from his car. I've got a special show for you today. I don't know about how special, but, you know, every show is special. We're going to talk some Julian Edelman retirement news that happened yesterday. There is some, um, you know, the beef between Conor McGregor and Poirier seems to be heating up. So while they're cordial for their second fight, it looks like it's going to be a little bit more personal and there's a little bit of animosity building up for their trilogy. And I'm finally going to review Mighty Ducks Game Breakers or Game Changers Episode 3. I will never get that name right. I don't know why I like to keep calling it Game Breakers. You know, I don't know if I'm combining like the Icebreaker Mints with the the game changers i don't know what i'm doing but there it's the game changers so episode three i'll talk about that that came out last friday so if you haven't seen it this is your first spoiler warning but as i mentioned wide wide receiver of the new england patriots just of 12 seasons julian edelman announced his retirement yesterday the first bit of news that we got from that was you know the breaking news that he had been cut from the patriots per a failed physical that he had the first thing that i initially thought when i heard that was that julian edelman was probably just gonna you know cut ties with new england and make his way down south to florida join tampa bay so he could be with his boys gronk and brady and you know try to chase another super bowl down there but apparently the knee injury that he sustained last season is too much and you know he's you know he's he's just a little bit too broken at 34 and 12 seasons in the NFL but he's definitely a guy that left it all on the field you know he's someone that gave 110 percent Julian Edelman is someone that was drafted in the seventh round in 2009 and he wasn't even a wide receiver when he was drafted Julian Edelman was drafted you know he was a quarterback for Kent State 
So they disliked him because I think he had one of the fastest shuttle times at the combine that year, or at least recorded, you know, between pro days and combine. So they knew he was a fast dude and they liked the, you know, his potential for, you know, any wildcat offense plays. And for his first few years in the league, he was primarily a special teams guy, you know, returning punts and doing stuff like that. And he was used modestly in the offense. But it wasn't until 2013 that he was actually really considered one of Tom Brady's main targets. And that was the first season that Wes Welker wasn't at New England. You know, in the offseason, Wes Welker had signed with Denver. So Julian Edelman all of a sudden kind of fitted into that, you know, small white guy wide receiver role in New England. And he filled it well. In 2013, that was his first 1,000-yard season. And, you know, from that point on in his career, he was a consistent wide receiver, and he was someone that Tom Brady and the Patriots can rely on, just not only the regular season but the postseason. You know, from 2013 to 2020, he had 551 receptions, 6,108 yards, 32 touchdowns to go along with three Super Bowl rings and a Super Bowl MVP. And in the, in that span, he had 19 playoff games with 180 receptions, 1,442 yards and five touchdowns. You know, so he's someone that was consistent in the regular season. He's someone that was a stud in the, you know, in the postseason. And he's definitely going to be considered an all-time Patriots great. You know, he'll be in the Patriots, like, Hall of Fame or Walk of Fame or whatever they have there to honor their great players. But while Julian Edelman was a great player and, you know, he was well-decorated with, you know, Super Bowls, he's definitely not someone I would consider going into Canton in the Hall of Fame. You know, there's a lot, you know, he, he's a good wide receiver, but there's a lot of, you know, really good wide receivers. And he just, quite frankly, hasn't put up the numbers that you need to be a Hall of Famer. So, like, these are just, you know, some of the, you know, for example, like all those numbers that he put up, you know, he was never once selected to a Pro Bowl or let alone an All Pro. So he was never, like, considered, you know, the best amongst his peers in any one season. And I feel like if you're going to be a Hall of Famer, that's something, that's a criteria I feel like you have to hit, and he didn't. And, you know, if you look at some of his stats, he's 75th all-time in receptions with his 620. He's 156th all-time in reception yards with 6,822. And he's not even in the top 250 in touchdowns with only 36 receptions touchdowns. So here's some the stats of some other wide receivers, like notable wide receivers that aren't in the Hall of Fame that I argue which should probably be in the Hall of Fame before Julian Edelman gets there. So you have the Rams great Torrey Holt. He had 920 catches, 13,382 yards, 74 touchdowns, seven Pro Bowls, and one Super Bowl. You know, so he definitely has he has the stats. He has the you know has the Super Bowl ring. He has the Pro Bowls, and he's still not a Hall of Fame. I think Torrey Holt is someone that eventually will get in there, and I think the only knock that anyone could have is that he was playing for, you know, a very pass-heavy offense, you know, with the greatest show on turf in St. Louis with, you know, with Kurt Warner and Isaac Bruce and, and Marshall Falk. So, you know, 
So I don't know if that's going to knock him just because he played for a high-powered offense. But then let's look at, you know, the Washington Redskins great Gary Clark. You know, he was big in the 80s and 90s where, it, you know, passing was not nearly as prolific as it is nowadays. But his career, he ended up with 699 receptions. over ten. He had 10,856 yards, 65 touchdowns, was a four-time Pro Bowler, and a two-time Super Bowl champion. You know, so he's someone that even has, you know, better stats in a in a in a period in the NFL where passing and getting passing yards was a lot harder to get. He has the Super Bowl rings, he has the Pro Bowl accolades, but still wasn't considered, you know, still hasn't reached the Hall of Fame. So, you know, if we're going to, you know, before Edelman could ever get consideration, you know, Gary Clark needs to. You know, you think about Sterling Sharp. He's someone that a lot of people haven't really considered for the Hall of Fame because his career was, you know, was was pretty short. You know, due to injuries, his career was over by 29. But just in his short career, he ended up with 595 receptions, 8,124 yards, 65 touchdowns, was a five-time Pro Bowler, and a three-time All-Pro. So, you know, that's in four seasons less than Julian Edelman. You know, and, you know, people still don't consider, have even considered him a Hall of Famer. And let's look at Wes Welker. You know, the... You know, when you think about small white wide receivers that Tom Brady loved using in New England, Wes Welker's the OG. You know, he's the one that really revolutionized the slot position. And, you know, in his career, he has 903 receptions, 9,924 yards, 50 touchdowns, five Pro Bowls, and two All-Pros. Like, the only detraction you can get from him compared to Julian Edelman is that Wes Welker happened to play for the years with Tom Brady and Peyton Manning that those dudes didn't win Super Bowls. But if you look at his stats and just the way he revolutionized the slot position, Wes Welker is arguably better than Julian Edelman. And, you know, I think he was. So, I mean, there's, you know, Julian Edelman was a great football player. He's a great New England Patriot. He's definitely one of my favorite Patriots of all time. He's just a dog and like, you know, gave his 100% every time he was out there on the field. But, you know, that doesn't mean, you know, you're a Hall of Famer, you know. So, again, Julian Edelman, congratulations on such a great career. And, you know, there's nothing to not be proud of when you look back on your time in New England and just your time in football in general. And, you know, good luck in the rest of life. So right now... Conor McGregor and Dustin Poirier, those dudes are booked to fight their trilogy fight. I think it's on July 10th at UFC 264. And leading up to their second fight, they were pretty cordial and they were pretty friendly with each other. But, you know, it seems like for this trilogy fight, it's kind of boiling over. So, you know, like like I said, the their first fight, there was a lot of trash talk. And you could tell that McGregor got into Poirier's head, which led to a quick knockout. And, you know... Going into the second fight, there was even talks of, you know, they're going to donate to each each other's charity and all that stuff. So depending on, you know, loser was going to donate to the other person's charity. So apparently, you know, Conor McGregor hasn't paid up to Dustin Poirier's charity, the 500K. And, you know, Dustin Poirier basically called him out. So, you know, I'm going to go through basically kind of like the Twitter exchanges that have kind of gone through or had, had that's kind of happened between the two because that's the best way to describe this story. So we'll just go right to the primary source. And if we're going to do some, we might do some impersonations. We'll just see how it goes. So 
don't be surprised if maybe your favorite Irish MMA fighter pops in. So, all right, this is from Dustin Poirier to Conor McGregor saying that he's going to, um, you know, finish Dustin Poirier in the fourth round. So just the diamond, Dustin Poirier. You know, that's a fun prediction at Notorious MMA. You also predicted a donation to my foundation, and you and your team stopped responding after the fight in January. See you soon, July 10th, paid in full. So someone said, you know, Dustin confirmed they already had received the donation a while ago. Even his wife thanked Connor after the fight. This is just Dustin trying to promote the fight somehow. So Dustin Poirier responds to that. We thanked him because his team reached out after the fight, or reached out fight week to initiate the process, but ghosted us the past two months after the fight. My foundation has reached out three times since with no reply. We moved past it. We will be announcing our next goal soon. It's a big one. So then Conor McGregor, he didn't take too kindly to, you know, the accusations of him and his team basically being cheap and running away from a donation. So rather than doing a shitty Irish accent, which I have tried a couple times this morning and I sound more like a fucked up Sean Connery, we'll just go Conor McGregor in normal voice. A donation, not a debt. We've been awaiting the plans for the money that never came. I do with all my donations know where it's going dot for dot otherwise it goes walking as is the case with a lot of these foundations sadly you took the mcg over the belt shows i was right and then dustin pori responds a hundred percent never a debt you offered we accepted and like i said your team never responded to our emails regarding the process of where funds would be put to work july 10th you will taste defeat yet again and then, obviously, you know, Conor McGregor wasn't going to be too happy with that shit. So, so basically, some more stuff happened, I think, between the management team and McGregor and stuff. So then, I think yesterday, yeah, on April 12th, McGregor just went full, just like fucking pissed he's like you're ripped you inbred hillbilly why do you wink with your ears you fucking brain dead hillbilly 500k with no plan in place you hang tight fool you must be new to money the fight is off by the way i'm going to fight someone else on the 10th good luck on your old contract and like i'd like to point out it's like McGregor talking about new to money and it's like dude you are new to money and he's like over here saying that while he's wearing like 10 pounds of gold and like a fur jacket and Gucci flip flops and being like oh you're new to money you don't know how to spend your money like it's like dude like you know, okay let's the, you know the pot calling the kettle black. You know, Conor McGregor continues, My team does their due diligence to make sure every donation meets the mark. My generosity is known. You will pay with your brain for this attempt at smearing my name. Shooting ass, shelling ass, bitch. Little bitch kicks from a shell. Good luck when you're caught. You're fucked. So, you know, Conor McGregor, dude, he's, um... He's not playing nice dude this time, and I like it, you know? I think that's the one thing that was missing to the lead-up to that last fight. They were pretty cordial, and let's be real. We like the notorious Conor McGregor acting like the notorious Conor McGregor, talking some shit, and, you know, talking us into the room because, you know, I think we were all going to order the fight on July 10th, but I think if there's a little bit of a storyline and a little bit more of a beef going into it, um, we'll, you know... That just makes it all that much better. All right, and before we get out of here, let's move away from sports and more transition to reviewing 
sports television show. It was episode three of the Mighty Ducks Game Changers, episode three. That was on last Friday. So hopefully you've had a chance to watch it if you are following it. So I'm going to give like not necessarily my review, but I guess just yeah, I guess kind of my semi review slash my thoughts on ever on the episode. So kind of like the main storyline we try to be saying behind this episode is, you know, the don't bothers realize they've got to learn some hockey and get better. They're watching tape about their around you know, of their first game where they just got their ass kicked and the little podcast kid and new Charlie are talking about how, you know, if they got one bet, a really good player, that would be a total game changer. See, do you see what they did there? They threw game changer in the title of the show and they used it. Hey, what's up? So they did that and they were specifically saying, let's get our buddy Sophie from the Mighty Ducks. She's like one of their best players. She's considered a sharpshooter. And they think that, you know, having her on the team would, you know, significantly help help them. And I'm sitting there being like, I, I you could probably get Ovechkin on the team and it's still going to be, you know, it doesn't help when your center literally can't fucking skate and you got your another kid who keeps trying to jump into the glass and the goalie that doesn't even move so they've got so many more issues than just bringing on a sharpshooter but i digress so you know podcast kid and new charlie they show up to sophie at school and they're like hey you know statistically if you were on our team you'd be the best person on a shitty team and you'd get so much ice time in your stats and blah 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 and trying to say that she'd be better and more attractive to college and juniors and whatever you know she wants to aspire to in in terms of hockey and i'm sitting there like that's fucking dumb she's already like one of the best team players on the best team so why would she just like transition that to go be the best player on literally like i you could say the worst team but like arguably at this point they're not even really a team they literally don't even know how to play hockey so like i don't even know how that'd be attractive but you know new charlie he's definitely um one of the people that they target in the hashtag me too movement he can't take no for an answer so you know he says hey like as friends let's just go to the the pizza place and we'll study for our quiz our math quiz and all that stuff and let's be real you know that this is just a recruitment ploy and he's gonna bring up trying to join the don't bothers at some point and you know she's basically saying she's still not interested because even if she'd want to like you know her parents wouldn't even be interested and all that stuff and you know while they're there having pizza one of the mighty duck kids comes in it's the kid from the the bitch lawyer mom that's basically you know, new Charlie's mom, you know, Lorelai, the coach of the Don't Bothers. It's basically like her bully at work. So, you know, her she's a bully to Lorelai at work and her kid's a bully to new Charlie. And he's just like a total dick and like telling Char- new Charlie that, hey, you getting cut has been great because everyone's playing better now because no one wants to be the new worst kid on the team. It's just honestly, it's like, fuck off, dude. And, you know, so he does eventually fuck off, but not before he drops new Charlie's book on the floor, just being a total dickhead. And new Charlie's just looking at Sophie like, well, they do that because they're ducks. So, you know, and you think, okay, maybe he's getting, you know, he's getting to her and she's eventually going to join but nah 
next day at school or maybe the next two days at school Sophie comes up she's pissed off because you know Sophie she's not just a really good hockey player but she gets perfect grades and she got a B on that quiz that she was studying with new Charlie and that's just unacceptable so she blames new Charlie and she basically you could tell is pissed off going into the big hockey game between the mighty ducks and the don't bothers and she basically like unloads on the don't bothers and she keep scoring goal after goal after the first goal she looks at new charlie and is basically like that's just one and like you could tell she's totally being salty totally just like hey like the fuck you even try to recruit me you get you let me get a b on my test well i'm gonna pour it on right now so she just like you know completely dominates the game and you know they kick the crap out of the don't bothers and it's not until the very end of the game where the don't bothers you know, score a goal, and it was a goal, you know, drawn up by a play by Gordon Bombay. I'll talk about that a little bit more. But basically, they score a goal on the Ducks at the last second, and make, they make the game 17-1. to 1. And, you know, when the Ducks get off the ice, their coach with the sweet-ass mullet, he got a sweet flow. I think that's how he got the position, because I don't think he's necessarily the best actor but he has got a fucking mullet of the gods and he is just basically ripping into the ducks and Sophie's like dude we just won 17 to 1 like what are you doing and he's just like yo you're the one that allowed new Charlie to score and if you're on the ice you don't let up for one split second so and then he tells them like hey we're gonna have a practice in five minutes with no pucks like so he's definitely gonna you know those are the worst kind of practices i had them uh, my share of them growing up playing travel hockey and sophie just was not putting up with that shit because that was the last straw for her she left the ducks and she skated over to the don't bothers and was like yo i'm gonna join the squad and you know they were happy to have her this was straight after lorelei telling the don't bothers like hey like you know we're we don't need anybody help. But then as soon as she came over, she's like, Oh, thank God we need help. But you know, one thing I also think was funny to note while the mighty ducks mullet coach was freaking out was he was like, dude, they're celebrating a loss. And then you can hear in the background being like, we got a goal. We got a goal. We're number one. So it's just like, it's so funny. Cause it was just like, you know, hearing the loser kids in the background, just celebrating a goal. Meanwhile, they got their ass kicked 17 to one. So, you know, it's pretty good. And, you know, like I had mentioned, setting up that goal was Gordon Bombay's playbook, you know, so we kind of learned a little bit more about Gordon Bombay, you know, we kind of learned why he's not into hockey anymore, basically Lorelai was talking to him and got him to open up that, you know, he left the Ducks when, you know, the Ducks organization became more, you know, they cared more about winning versus, you know, I guess the love of hockey or just having fun. So he left that and he said, Hey, it hurt my, it, hurt, it broke my heart, but I had to do it. And, you know, he tried, he, he explained how, you know, he went and tried to play, you know, minor league professional hockey, but, you know, he was too old and got injured right off the bat and that he eventually became a college coach and built a really strong college program but you know the NCAA it's a piece of shit in real life and I guess it's a piece of shit in the Mighty Ducks universe because I guess just for you know helping some kid buy some tape that infringed on the collegiate rules of not paying players which forced him to not be the coach and now he couldn't coach college hockey anymore so he says that 
while he still loves hockey, that he devoted almost his entire life to it, and all he has left is just this shitty rink that he inherited from Hans and, you know, all the debt that goes along with it. So, you know, you can see that Gordon Bombay, he's definitely, you know, his little icy personality is starting to thaw, and he does take Lorelei's notebook and, you know, draws up a play kind of bit designed off of, you know, you know, the kid that doesn't know how to skate and, you know, the kid that likes to run into shit. So he designed a perfect, you know, Mighty Duck, perfect Mighty Duck-esque um, play. It works out. So Gordon Bombay is pretty excited to hear that his play worked. And, you know, the episode ends with him taking the no hockey sign off the wall. So I think we're definitely going to see Coach Bombay coming back soon. And, you know, I can't wait for that. And the only other subplot, like, storyline that happened on in this show was the little podcast kid. He had, like, a crush on the Coco girl. And the Coco girl got dumped by Coco Chad. And Coco Chad is the guy that delivers the Coco. And, you know, the whole episode is all about, like, how the podcast kid, you know, you can tell he has a crush on her and is being, like, you know, the good listener, you know, the friend zone guy. And, you know, at the end of the game with the Mighty Ducks, she shows up with, like, Mustard Mike or whatever, some some jalopy, chubby dude. And, you know, that's her new boyfriend now. And she was like, you know, Coco Chad was was into it with Coco Chad, so I'm with this Mustard guy. You know, so at least that gave the podcast kid kind of like, you know what, if a guy like the Mustard Chad can get, you know, a girl like Coco Girl or whatever, then one day I'll be able to land a chick like that. And he was able to come to that from the advice of Gordon Bombay. So see, Gordon Bombay, he's just, you know, he's coaching with hockey plays. He was giving life advice to the podcast kids. So he's just he's just itching to get back in the coaching seat and to help improve in the lives of these young children. So, you know, another great episode of the Mighty Ducks. Looking forward to episode four on Friday. But as for this show... That's all I have for you today. I appreciate everyone that takes the time to download and listen. If you liked what you're listening to, be a friend, tell a friend. And if you didn't enjoy it, just uh, you know, mosey on and pretend you never listened to this. Until next time, I've been your host, Dean Ryan. This has been a Cali Green Monster Show coming to you from the Tesla Studios here in beautiful San Diego, California. Have a great one, guys. Peace.